Hey, hey, beer fans. Welcome to Experimental Brewing with Denny and Drew. I'm Denny Kahn. And I'm Drew Beecham. Together, we're the authors of Experimental Homebrewing, Mad Science in the Pursuit of Great Beer, and Simple Homebrewing, available at all your finest retailers. And man, do we have something different today. Oh, boy, and howdy. So you all will remember that we've been talking about that we were going to be part of the Women's International Beer Summit, WIBS for short, just like we were the year prior. And really, we didn't quite understand what we were getting ourselves into when we signed up to say, sure, we'll talk. (laughs) But what you are going to hear now is the, well, not really presentation, just more the wide-ranging, diversive uh, digression of a discussion. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, the hosts uh, that we are talking to, Tyler and Lori, are just great people, and we had such a good time talking to them on their podcast, which is called Brewed Up, that we decided that you might not have heard it, and you should. Yes. So sit back, hold on to your ears, because it's going to get a little bleepy. That's right. Stick around. We're going to be right back. This episode of the Experimental Brewing Podcast is brought to you by you, our listeners. Go to experimentalbrew.com to help support us. Click on the Patreon link to donate whatever amount you like to the podcast and our charities. Click on the Brew Your Own Magazine link to subscribe to BYO. Or click on the AHA link to join the American Homebrewers Association. Part of the proceeds from those will go to help support the podcast. And thanks for your support. Yakima Chief Hops is a proud supporter of the global homebrewing community. We believe that homebrewers are at the true heart of craft beer. YCH is dedicated to supplying the brewing hobbyists, the homebrew side hustlers, and the late-night garage brewers with the same cutting-edge quality hop products as the brewers working on a 90-barrel tank. Yakima Chief is pleased to introduce the latest product in hop innovation right out of the R&D lab, Cryopop Original Blend. Combining their proprietary cryogenic hop processing technology with groundbreaking lab analysis, they've engineered a hop pellet packed with the most beer-soluble compounds to bring a true pop of tropical, stone fruit, and citrus aromas. Learn more at yakimachief.com. The Brew Deck Podcast features exclusive interviews with your favorite brewers and suppliers. Each episode highlights new trends and brewing tips from leaders in the industry to inspire your next brew. Listen to the Brew Deck Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the American Homebrewers Association. Now through May 31st, get a quarter pound of H.A. Zamba hops when you join or renew your American Homebrewers Association membership with promo code ZAMBA. That's Z-A-M-B-A. ZAMBA. Get your offer details at homebrewersassociation.org slash experimental. days and brighter skies inspire Yeast Laboratories' spring release. Get ready for your next brew day with the flexibility of our Longer Days private collection. 
1217 West Coast IPA calls for a fruity addition of grapefruit, mango, or kumquat. Go a step further by kettle souring first, then pitching this neutral, easy-to-use strain. 3191 Berliner Weissblend is ready to break tradition with a variety of fruit and herb flavors to complement its bread and lacto character. Strawberry and rhubarb, pineapple and mango, or mixed berries will bring bright flavors and color to your goza or wild specialty ale. Balance out your creativity with one of our favorite styles, a classic Kolsch using 2575 Kolsch 2. This versatile strain is favored among professional and homebrewers alike in any season and will be your go-to for its rich flavor and soft malt finish. Visit our brand new website at yeastlab.com for more inspiration, tips, and recipes to pair with these strains. Thank you for streaming this little homebrew podcast. Brewed Up chronicles the fermentation highs and lows of Tyler Sadler of the Valley and Lori Ann Gutierrez of South Central L.A. We also discuss breweries, cats, tacos, other adult bevs, and whatever else comes to mind. This show is available to listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and wherever else you like to listen. Now, here's the show. There we go, then. It's not pretending. Oh, I think we're live, guys. Oh, <laughs> we're live. Declaring our love for each other live. Hey, we um, are. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say I. We've been live for 15 oh, seconds. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, Wibs. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm Tyler, and I'm Lori, and we have a podcast called Brewed Up. It's on most platforms. And listen, it's not like it's real casual. We, I just <laughs> that's what we want you to know. So if you're looking for a casual homebrew co- podcast, yeah, kind of yeah, shoot about homebrew and you know stuff that we like to drink, etc. People, we talk to a lot of people, interview some cool some cool people. So yeah, that's our podcast and. We're here with Denny and Drew. I don't know if you guys want to introduce yourselves or yeah. you don't really need to, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Denny. And He's I'm Drew. Drew. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to share our experience and knowledge in podcasting, which is not a lot, and brewing, which again, not a lot. Just hey, saying. we got some. We got we some knowledge. Do, we got some chops. <laughs> okay. Um, as well, let's ask some questions between us, and we're basically getting to know each other. We don't know these guys, but it's been a long time coming, so it's pretty cool that we're here together. Yeah. yeah. Any opportunity to talk beer is a good time. Agreed. Very much so. Or audio equipment. Huh? <laughs> yeah, luckily... I. We are all clearly podcasters. We got the super nice mics, the headphones. We know what we're doing, you know, good audio quality. 
either we know, either we know what we're doing or we're really good at faking it. <laughs> Both are important. We yes. look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess it, we're we're just gonna jump into this podcasting. Um. I feel like a lot of people are kind of into it. Obviously, uh, we've been doing it personally for what a year and a half now. So still pretty new, but we no, we do it by season. Why? What do you mean? We started right before the pandemic, and yeah. Then... Oh, so maybe we're doing two years. Maybe a little longer. We don't know, but look, COVID threw everybody's calendars yeah, off. Let's face it. It, it, totally, <laughs> it did. totally did. We don't even know what year it is to yeah, be honest. It's definitely but... <laughs> 1994 right now. So we've let's been, say we've so been ahead. at it for about five years, five okay. and a half oh. years. Uh, we've got two podcasts that we do. and We've got uh, 151 episodes of one and about 90 of the other one. No, no, about 116 of the other one. 100, oh, 116? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dang, That's we don't so. even know. <laughs> so for if you guys don't know, if anybody doesn't know, obviously, I, I don't know, Denny and Drew – run the experimental homebrewing podcast, which has been going on now for five years. And you should tune in if you don't already. And now you have two cool homebrew podcasts to, to listen out. to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us, how did you guys meet each other? What's your, like, how did, how did you, like, what was your first date like? <laughs> I think uh, was that HomebrewCon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the HomebrewCon in Denver. I don't even remember when that was. Uh, it was like maybe uh, 2008, maybe. Yeah, something about like that. Uh, I was uh, I was in a shuttle van to the hotel, and Drew jumped in and said, "Hi, my name's Drew." He knew me. I had no idea who the hell he was, uh, and you know, we just we kind of started talking and uh, then a few years later uh, he had gotten an offer to write a book and he was in the process of writing another one at the time so he contacted me to see if I'd like to co-author and that was uh, that was experimental homebrewing and uh, ever since then we've been married Aww. It, it, it is weird like I've shown up at places and I've been giving a talk and everybody's like Wait, are you allowed to do something without Denny? <laughs> are you guys having a fight right now? Wait, are you not mocking? <laughs> yeah, right but now? I mean, like literally, it was one of those things. Now, by the way, I'm I'm a full blown nerd and introvert, and I am fairly shy in actual person. And you know, something about being at a beer event just made it like it like brings out the slightly social monster in me. I I personally blame the beer. Uh, but yeah, so like me going up today and going, "Hey, I'm Drew. How are you?" Uh, very uncharacteristic for me. And and truthfully, I'm the same way. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting. But you know, um, what what can yeah. I say? Yeah, uh, and apparently we both had the same sort of brain damage because he survived making one book with me, and that sh that would have actually driven most people away because uh, writing a book is not fun. Don't do, Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he actually he actually enjoyed the torture enough that he signed up to do another book with me, and then another book with me, and then at wow. one point in time he decided to retire, you know, from a day job. And I said, well, you know, retirement's a really bad thing because people in my family tend to die about two years after they retire. Uh, Not mine so, though. Yeah, mine. Uh, and so a little morbid. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, that's the Irish side of the family. Um, <laughs> 
but I, I just looked at him and said, well, you know, since you got all this time, how about we do a podcast? And he's like, oh, God. And then it happened. Well, well yeah, actually, actually, what really happened uh, was we were in Brazil uh, for a conference uh, not too long after our first book came out. Pause. Pause. What? Pause. Tell us about a, a, a beer conference in Brazil. Can you just, I mean, that's just like <laughs> such a casual thing to, to do, but it was it was pretty much like any other homebrew conference, you know. There were talks and there were parties. Uh, it was in a place called Florianopolis, which is kind of a, an island off the south coast of Brazil, uh, in, in some ways like Hawaii. Yeah, it, um, it's the capital of the state of Cantarina, Santa Catarina. You know, wait, if you know wait, Catarina wait, hold Sours. On, hold on, hold on. <laughs> do you guys do you guys frequent? International beer conferences. Is that one of your summits? Yeah, not yeah, as often I mean, as we'd like to. Well, yeah, uh, Brazil, New Zealand, Australia. Wow. Wow. Where else have we been? Yeah. Uh, those are the uh, those are the big ones. We've done uh, obviously a lot of virtual talks in other places. I'd still like to, you know, figure out some way to finagle a trip over to Ireland or Belgium. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, Drew didn't Drew didn't make it to New Zealand. That was just me. But then we both did uh, did Australia. Went we talked at a conference there, and then uh, rented a car and spent uh, four or five days just driving up and down the coast of Australia and seeing the sights and stuff like that. Yeah, so paying out paying outrageous data rates to stream the radio broadcast of the World Series. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's where we were driving, but but so when we were in Brazil, the guys there, the the local homebrew club, uh, had rented a bus and they were taking us around just to see breweries and the sites and stuff like that. And Drew and I started doing our usual banter. I mean, if you've ever read any of our books, you know that they're written very conversationally, just kind of mm-hmm. like we'd be talking to each other, giving each other crap. And one of the guys, one of the Brazilians, looked at another one and said. It's like the book has come to life. Yep. And, well, because, the, because the other thing in the, all of our books, and it's, it's taken a while for us to get editors to allow us to do this. Yeah. All of our books contain individually quoted asides from us, and they're literally a conversation between the two of us in the books. Yeah. And with all the usual sort of snarky bullshit that we try and pull. So, yeah, and Brazil, Brazil was a lot of fun. It was also one of those moments when I learned I talk a hell of a lot faster than, <laughs> than I think I do. <laughs> Because they had translators sitting back in a booth, like at the UN, and people wearing headphones out in the audience, translating my English, God help them, into Portuguese. And after we did our first seminar, I I was talking with the translators, and I said, is there anything that I can do to help make this easier for you? Because they (laughs) they said, oh, you know, we went out and we watched YouTube videos of you guys speaking. We listened to, you know, other audio recordings of you to figure out your idioms and your patterns and all this sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Spooky, um, but then doing our research. Yeah, <laughs> but then I asked them, "Is there anything I can do to help you?" And they're like, "Yeah, slow down, slow down mm. a little bit." And they had me stand <laughs> at the back of the room and wave at him and get him to slow down. <laughs> you know what's so funny is when you asked, uh, when you guys, when you asked uh, Drew to do the po- or sorry, vice versa, Denny to do the podcast, and you said, "Oh God," we had the exact same thing happen when Lori asked me to do a podcast. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. And then it happened. So similar, well, I mean, similar origin story. I have, I've been an audio engineer most of my life. I ran a recording studio for 30 years and mm. stuff. 
So I had an idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's from the rock and roll life that I led at the same time. Mm. Um, the, um, you know, it, it was like when, when we decided to do the podcast, I had been retired long enough that I had forgotten just how boring and time consuming editing is. Mm. Uh, you know, when, when, we started, it was about 10 hours of editing for every hour of on-air stuff. Wow. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm down to about three now because I'm back in practice. But, uh, you know, the, the Experimental Brewing pro- podcast is probably twice, three times as long as Brew Files. And when Brew Files was the second one, and uh, when Drew said he wanted to do a second podcast, I went, okay, dude, if we do it, it's all you. Uh, so, and it, it takes him about as long to edit that shorter podcast as it does me for the longer one, but he hasn't had 50 years of experience like I have. I think it's really cool that I just kind of threw him into it and said, okay, here's the software. You figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm, I'm, I'm the editor on our team. She doesn't yeah. let fun, me. I went to no. school for TV production, so that helped a little bit. I don't use oh, the degree cool. anymore, but I, I guess I use it for podcasting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, right. she won't edit. She won't let me say anything bad. We can't. I, it's got to be a one hit, one you hit. know. You Keep know, it simple. I'm just trying to oh. listen through it, and oh. I mean, yeah. listen. Yeah, I know. What you hear is what happens. I, I would guess that in. The, our experimental brewing podcast, I probably make a couple thousand edits and most of them are less than a second long yep. wow. so that I can get a conversational flow to things. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, largely talk- has to take out my long pauses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, let's talk about that. So, you know, right now your, your podcast has several segments, right? Maybe like five or six. Did it start like that or did it eventually over time get there? No, it, it, got, there it, pre- it got there pretty quickly. Yeah, Drew decided right off the bat that he wanted to have it be like we were in a house moving from room to room doing different things. So, you know, we have we have the pub, we have the brewery, the lab, the lounge, you know, and so Ooh, I we I love the vision. Yes. <laughs> the home well, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, it it comes from the fact like I'm I, again, I'm a nerd. Um and I'm fascinated by concepts like uh, the Roman room. And the uh, Roman room's a memory technique. And the mm-hmm. idea is that in order to remember things, you you visually place them in individual rooms in a house. Um, and then when you go to do, recall, you you know, okay, that's got to be in the dining room. So I'll go into, virtually into the dining room and look around and, and try and figure out where I'm at. Um, and so that's exactly where that concept came from. This is why Denny thinks I'm insane. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one of many. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we kind of started like, I don't even know, kind of loosely. We're like, let's get together and talk about beer. Oh, okay. You know, and kind of, you know, have a rough outline. Actually, we didn't start with outlines. That was a big mistake. Well, outlines, <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> I <Yeah>. know. <laughs> so we kind of just talk, 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 talk. There was no structure. And then I was like, I can't edit this. This is no. driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. We need to have some sort of structure, right? So then we started the outline and it, it got a little bit better after that. But we still don't really have, se- I mean, we have one segment, it's the home brewery update that we have in the beginning. Just talk about, you know, kind of like what you guys have with the it, going in the brewery, talking about your brewing and stuff. But the rest of the time, it's like, let's just do an interview or talk about a certain subject. Um, 
But Drew, Drew puts together a script for each episode, but it's not like a wow. word for okay. word script. It's it's more like a, a a list of what topics we want to discuss in each section. Yeah, you know? well, links links off to very like if they're news articles and whatnot, links off to those news articles so that we can have them up on the screen. And um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I think the the main show, which again runs usually somewhere around ninety minutes, uh, that probably has about a hundred line outline in it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, but then anytime we're doing an interview, we'll have, you know, just some, some simple questions that we generally ask people or, you know, if I'm really trying to keep a focus, then yeah, I'll put together a full outline. Otherwise kind of do what you do. And it's just like, okay, let's, let's get into a conversation. I usually also like to uh, mess with people and make Denny's job editing harder Mm. in the fact that I'll Mm -hmm. start recording when we sit down mm-hmm. and just start having a regular conversation with somebody and then cut into the fact that, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're on the air. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's fun. Little candid yeah, chat. I love you a know? candid chat. Yeah. And I have yeah. to figure out how the hell to make it work. <laughs> we have a, a Patreon page and we were pretty, we haven't done it in a while because we've had some pretty serious professional guests on but yeah sometimes we have guests and we stop the podcast but we continue recording and then we get a little a little extra drunk and <laughs> we call it we call it the after hours we call it after it does get yeah. a little gossipy and we, we we're, oh hey this is on our after so that's fun generally just talk shit about everyone Privileged content. <laughs> well, yes. we, we almost never drink before or during recording uh, a yeah, lot of that, is that. Be, mm-hmm. because we we record like at noon on friday usually um mm. so but then every year when we go to the to homebrew con and record our live podcast there <laughs> the, no drinking goes out the window and yeah god knows what will happen well and you can usually tell when you listen to those live episodes uh they're a hell of a lot more squirrely yeah but mm. uh but then, like, I also do things where, um, so because I can, because I do think it's important to actually kind of be in places. Of course, that's kind of been hard the past couple of years. Uh, I have a whole mobile field kit uh, that I can drag around the world, and and I have dragged it around the world to do mm-hmm. uh, interviews in various places. And so, like, next week is the Southern California Homebrewers Festival in Temecula. We'll be and there. I will be. I'll be there as well. So we'll be cool, able to share man. a beer. We'll drag Sweet. that kid on over. Well, that's what—that's exactly what I'm going to do. I have actually tortured Denny in the past with giving him raw audio from uh, the Homebrew Festival <laughs> and had him try and find something yeah. workable on it. Yeah, and, and it is funny because it goes—it goes down in quality pretty quick. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, let's talk about that because we actually just got a little remote um, set up ourselves. We got mm-hmm. the pod track. I think that's what it's called. The fuzzy it's, mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. we have the, the four, you know, mic inputs and stuff. It's pretty mm-hmm. rad. We've used it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but like technology wise, I guess, what do you guys have for remote and what do you guys use when you're recording at home? Well, you want to tackle I- the, the home? Yeah, at home, um, we actually record um, into Pro Tools uh, running on, uh, on, I run a PC, Drew runs a Mac. Pro Tools, uh, if you guys don't know, is like the Overkill. pro software. It, it, it's what every movie in the entire world does mm-hmm. their audio with, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we do that because probably back in the late 80s, 
I became a beta tester for DigiDesign and Pro Tools. And so I just know it inside and out, and it's really easy and natural for me to use it. So even though it's kind of overkill, it's it's good. So the, the signal chain is we use uh, Neumann TLM-102 mics uh, into an ART tube uh, preamp EQ compressor. That gets fed into a Focusrite Scarlett audio interface that then goes into our computers. Uh, I'm, we also have, I don't think I can. And you guys that. both have that at, at both houses? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we made sure to match, have a match set up. Now, by the way, Incredible. so that mic that, that mic that Denny is talking to is the, is the Von Neumann. Uh, those are not. Just, just Neumann, mics. no Von. No, yeah, that's right. Uh, just Neumann. <laughs> Uh, those are the Neumann, uh, Neumann mics. Those are not cheap mics. Oh, uh, but they're, cheap, not... they're cheap for Neumanns. They're only 800 bucks, you know? Right. Ooh, but, ask. but here's the thing is I, I will tell you, the first four-ish years of the podcast, uh, we did on a pair of mics that were $99. Mm-hmm. So um, get a good mic that sounds good for you, and then everything yeah. else is about cleaning it up. I mean, th- there's there is one school of thought that says, okay, I'm doing a podcast. It's going to end up as an MP3 file where the audio quality is going to be compromised. So why do I need good equipment to do that? The other school of thought says is if the final product is going to be audio compromised, then you need as high quality as you can get at the front end to maintain as much of that as possible all the way through. And right. that's that has always been my philosophy. So uh, when we could afford it, we went for the good mics and, and everything else. And they uh, do sound so good. Yeah, Drew Drew uses a, like his little field setup is like a, a Zoom, uh, a four track Zoom recorder that no, he no, uses. No, no, it's the Zoom H6 now. So oh, I have a I have a six track recorder, even though I'm usually only recording on two. Although right. I'll, I'll also record ambient as well, just to help us do noise cancellation or to mix in a little sound of the so area. So professional. Yeah. But, for, <laughs> but, but for like recording the live shows and stuff like that, like we do at HBC, uh, when we go to a Hop and Brew School in Yakima, we usually record a live show there. We use a QSC Touch Mix 8, which is a 14-channel uh, digital mixer with a uh, recorder built into it. Yep. So Did after all we're nerds, Lori's looking at me like, what are we uh, doing? <laughs> do? do? I think this mic was twenty five dollars on Amazon. Yeah. Hey, you know, what are we doing? Whatever. But yeah, so the TouchMix Eight records onto a, a USB stick, and then uh, after we've got a live show recorded on there, I just plug that into my PC and port all the files into Pro Tools and edit from there. Yeah, and, and then like with that portable kit, like I said, I use a Zoom H6, which is a really nice, actually budget-friendly uh, recorder. And and if you don't need the six tracks, then you can get away pretty well with the the Zoom H4, uh, which is even less expensive. And yeah, the we just use. Are pretty good. Yeah, they yeah. are. And then Denny's got the headset mics that we use right there. Yeah, yeah. So then we we use these uh, these Audio Technica BH240 headsets and mics, kind of like sportscasters do. Uh, and we cool. use those for our live recording because we have discussed, we tried to use our really hot shit uh, condenser mics to do live recording and they just have too much gain and they're too open and we would just end up with way too much feedback. So we went with the, uh, with the headsets. So we got a bunch of those for us and our guests. 
<laughs> yeah, can can you tell that we are both nerds and gearheads? This is all super impressive, by the way. Very. Well, you know, we'll get there. I think it's. Oh yeah. You know, it's a good comparison. You know, our, I think our our podcast still sounds pretty good. Um, where we still use like at least on my end, I do use an inter an interface, an M Audio. Um, pretty standard. That's what little, I use. Little before. small guy. Yeah, and then like Lori said, I mean these mics, the the pop filter, I would say is for anyone trying to start a podcast, it's definitely super helpful. Oh yeah, you want that? Yeah, it changed our audio so much. Yeah. Um, and this was also, you know, pretty inexpensive. Um, but yeah, I, I we we also live kind of not far from each other. We both live in LA, but like. Drew will understand. She lives in South LA. I live in San Fernando Valley. It's like 40. Yeah, that could be brutal. So yep. it could be either really close or really far. Yeah. So we usually will record um, remotely, actually, on this thing called Zencaster. I don't know. Have you guys used cool. that before? No. That uh, we, we, I've played with Zencaster before. We, when we're doing remotes, particularly with guests, yeah, uh, we tend to use a clean, a clean feed. Okay. If, if we're just recording, and that's cleanfeed.net, if we're just recording the two of us, uh, then we just go literally into, like, Google Hangouts, call oh. each other with Google, and then we're both striping locally. And then yeah. we pull the tracks back into Pro Tools and go, okay, there we yeah. go. Yeah, uh, we, just like yeah that. When, when it's just the two of us, yeah, we each record locally. Drew uploads his file into uh, Dropbox, and I grab it from there, put it into Pro Tools, and line them up to sync everything and, and go from there. Um, but, you know, yeah, we're, I mean, we're 800 miles apart, so. Yeah, you guys are much yeah. farther than we are. And the Google uh, Hangouts say, has a video, right? <laughs> it, it does, but for our podcast, we don't do the video uh, normally. So This is Rocky. Everybody say hi to Rocky. <gasps> hi, Rocky. Oh, my God. She's our foundling. We're very cat-friendly. <laughs> cute. Oh, Can the cat yeah. play the ukulele or just you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either one of us can. I was going to say, you're presupposing that Denny can play the ukulele. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm done? curious. Um, tell us a little bit about like your, just your homebrewing background. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So like my very first batch of beer I ever did was probably about 1993, 1994, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a very, very broke college student, as all college students are. And... Um, okay. <laughs> I did a batch of beer when I was in, in Boston, and we we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the results of it, and then we went and made a second batch, and it went horribly wrong. And then school got in the way, and I never I never brewed again. And then I moved out here to L.A., and I was working for a big entertainment company. And um, everybody's familiar with the idea that like, I mean, when you're a young person starting your career, you inevitably get involved in some sort of project where you're working stupid, crazy hours all the time. Mm-hmm. Never ending because you're trying to prove yourself, right? Look, uh, look at me, guys. I'm awesome. Promote me. Um, <laughs> and I got into this project where I literally for ten months worked a hundred hour work weeks, no no weekends, no holidays, no nothing. And I got out the other side of it, and I couldn't remember what I did for fun before. And then I remembered home brewing, and I went over to the home beer wine cheese making shop over in Woodland Hills. And I walked in, and John Dame greeted me and said, "Oh, hey, welcome to the party. You know, show, show me around." And it just took. And that was about 1999. Okay. So, and since then, I mean, the place I'm talking to you guys from right now, this is my garage slash brewery with my little hoplite. I noticed fermenters. that. 
Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's grown into sort of a bunch of madness, which is, I think, what any hobby should do at some point. <laughs> nice. It always spirals, spirals out of control, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a good well, way. I, in a good way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I'm just very grateful I have this little space that I can use for it. Um, and I would show you guys my cats, but my cats are all inside and they don't like the outdoors. So we're all cat people. That's <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, my gosh. I have yeah. a cat. What? Four cats, two dogs. And I'm the opposite. I've got two cats and four dogs. Very cute. Yeah, <laughs> I have a cat. Lori has a, two cats. Sorry, our, our screen just Wait, changed for some what reason. Just, what is going on? <laughs> uh, oh, there we go. We're back. Okay. Hello. Sorry. Uh, yeah, the Danny, universe just wanted to confuse you. It mm-hmm. did. It was like Zoom. Zoom was like, what about me? And it's like, no, it's Crowdcast. <laughs> uh, Denny, what's your homebrew origin story? Which is what um, we just asked. When, when I owned my recording studio, uh, mm-hmm. my my business partner um, had started homebrewing a little bit. And, you know, being here in, in Oregon, I was, like, definitely into the whole beer scene and stuff. Plus, you know, I'd been playing in bars for 30 years in rock and roll bands. And so, you know, uh, I knew that there had to be something better than Budweiser long necks. Um, so my, my business partner, Gus started homebrewing. I'd always been interested, but I thought, you know, I just don't have the, the space to do it in and, uh, anywhere. So he showed me that, you know, you can do it in your kitchen, put the fermenter in a closet, you're set. So, uh, for my, my birthday, my wife, uh, bought me like a kit of equipment ingredients from Costco, uh, and I brewed the first batch, uh, Kirkland. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, one of my most vivid memories after 24 years and 588 batches is still opening my first bottle mm-hmm. of homebrew and hearing it go, Psst, and it was mm-hmm. like, Shh, I have done magic. Yes. You know, and, and it actually tasted good too, you know, and so it's, it's kind of like a monster was born. Uh, I did a few more extract batches. Uh, then I started doing, I did one partial mash batch. Then I decided, well, if I'm going to do partial mash, I must, I might as well just do all grain, brewed like out of my deck for a while and eventually convinced my wife uh, we should spend a whole bunch of money to remodel our garage. And one side of it could be for me brewing and the other side of it could be for her gardening stuff. Mm. And she actually fell for that. I mean, I, She's really smart. <laughs> she did anyway, yeah. Uh, now she has one little corner where my isn't in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that, you know, like I said, that was in 1998. I, I just had my 24th anniversary on March 19th and brewed my 588th batch, which was uh, my rye IPA recipe that uh, mm. lots and lots of people are familiar with and have brewed. Uh, my brewing style has changed a whole lot since then. I no longer use the, uh, the cooler with the toilet hose in it and the converted keg on a propane burner. Uh, Drew and I are both very heavily into grandfather equipment these days. Mm-hmm. I have the, mm-hmm. the G40 and the G70. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew has a G30. We mm-hmm. each have, uh, three of their conical fermenters and a glycol chiller for them. Um, nice. 
It, it, well, it, it, it's nice, especially when they ask you to beta test and say, hey, you know, we'll give you a deal on this equipment. So well, then you can actually do it. But you know, one of the one of the things I think that's been amazing is those olive ones, you know, like the grandfather yeah. and or the Brazil or the Robobur or the founder or whatever. Like those have come along, and I swear they've made homebrewing so much simpler, like doing all grain. Because um, I used to have over in the corner, I used to have a big three tier system with giant vessels and propane burners, and blah, 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 and I found mm-hmm. I never wanted to brew on it. And then I got this grandfather, and I was like, ooh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's what's really fun, man, is it's so fast and easy. I, I mean, you know, it's like when I get done brewing on my G40, I can be cleaned up in like 15 minutes and done and back in the house yeah. to have a beer. Uh, neither one of us drinks while we're brewing. So we like to just get it done and over with and then start drinking heavily. Well, we Man, have you, guys, you guys don't drink while you brew. You don't drink while you podcast. We're, we're terrible. <laughs> We just know our limitations. <laughs> no. Well, first of yeah. all, this episode is brought to you by the Grain Father. Yeah, the Grain Father. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got it. We got gifted um a couple Grain Fathers, and we've had a ton They're of fun. fun. Yeah, with yeah. them. And the o- the only issue, the only reason why Tyler doesn't have one in her house is because she doesn't have um. What two forty? Uh, yeah, yeah, two twenty yeah. or whatever, two twenty. Well, but I think they have a one ten now, so we might have to go and ask our guy. Well, one yeah, one ten was yeah, one ten was the way they started, and I have mm-hmm. I started on a one ten grandfather, moved up to a uh, two forty grandfather, which was a lot better. And then since I had the 240 already installed, then it just made the, the G40 and G70 a natural. Mm-hmm. Um, much better design than the G30. A lot works a whole lot better. And it's, it's just, it's a breeze to clean. I can do a six gallon batch and I am done cleaned up and have everything put away three and a half hours after I walk into the garage to start brewing. And it's like, nice. I'm not, I'm not in a hurry, but I don't like wasting time either, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, you could, you're waiting to drink. That I, that's what I understand. That's, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and then the reason I don't drink when I brew is because I am just like dead ass lazy. And if, <laughs> if I drink when I brew, then by the time I get to the cleanup and stuff, it's like oh screw yeah. this. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. deal with it. But I'm also OCD enough that I can't walk out of the garage until everything is cleaned up and put away. Mm, same. So mm-hmm. you yeah. know, yeah. See, you know, and, the, Oh, sorry. I try, my best, I, I try my best to just kind of keep things split up. Like I'll come back, uh, like later on, I'll try and brew, and then come back later because then I'll uh, go hang out with my wife for a little bit, and then come back and go. Okay, now I'm going to clean up for a little bit, and then you know, keep everything. But yeah, I'm like Denny. If if I get if I get too deep in my cups, I either make mistakes or I just get tired. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I get tired really easily because I'm old. Oh, <laughs> poor boy. <laughs> I felt like I had the hang of the G30, and then um, I was like, "You, Denny, I got one of those G40s before anyone ah, else got one." I and I, killer. We, it was pretty killer. The sight glass alone, I thought, was like, "Oh yeah, 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 that's nice." <laughs> but it doesn't. There's a couple things. I I liked the way the counterflow chiller sits on top of the G30. 
It wasn't an option on the G40. See, and I never, I never put it on top anyway. Oh, because okay. I was always having to like take, you know, get down in there and scrape off the filter on the G30 that would get all clogged up and everything. Hmm. So I would always just set my uh, chiller on an overturned bucket right next to the the G30, you know, yeah. instead of on top. That's what you do now. Yeah, that's what the I G40. do now. Yeah. And also, the G30 has um, the distilling. Oh, let me go. <laughs> Emerge a distilling feature. Yeah, which for me doesn't make any difference. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not much of a hard liquor drinker other than mm. uh, gin and tonics in the summertime. Mm. So uh, you know that that's another thing Drew and I agree on is gin and tonic. Okay, what's your favorite gin? Uh oh. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, for the longest time, my favorite blend was. I would blend Plymouth because it's so dry and woody, uh, but I would blend it with Hendrix because Hendrix is relatively sweet Sweet. in the back end and do that about half and half. And I found like you got a good, you got a good blend. If I'm just doing a single gin, uh, these days a lot of times I'll reach for, um, like St. George's, uh, like uh, either the terroir or, or their straight gin. Terroir. Terroir. I'm I'm not nearly that sophisticated, man. Bombay Sapphire and I'm good. I can't drink gin anymore because I drank too much of it one night and uh, <laughs> had the worst hangover in my life the next oh, day. So I love it. Yeah. That, that happened to me with mead. Uh, you know, oh. <laughs> just after I just after I'd started uh, home brewing, right? Uh, the 1999 2000 year, you know, New Year's came up. And we decided we were going to have a big party. We live way out in the country, right? So we invited all these people. Everybody brought sleeping bags and stuff so they didn't have to drive home afterwards. And I had just, uh, along with a couple of friends, made my first batch of barley wine. And my business partner had just made his first batch of mead. So we spent all night long drinking (laughs) barley wine and mead. And... That, oh my god! That is that has got to be the worst hangover I've ever had. <laughs> ever, ever since, plus I had one more uh, bad experience with mead at the homebrew conference in 2006, and ever since then I just cannot drink mead anymore. Mead, it's not for everyone. I just actually had <laughs> some mead from Lori. She brought it over here. It's pretty good. Blueberry mead. That's oh. all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm I'm constantly impressed. To, like my my homebrew club, the Falcons, will have a a yearly mead tasting, and everybody in the club brings. That's when they bring their meads, and you know, for something that we don't talk a lot about, holy crap! There, uh, some of the people in the club are whizzes at making mead. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I've I have found that people that are whizzes of making mead actually do like to talk about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, they, yeah, but they, they tend not to talk about it during the homebrew club meeting because oh, yeah, somehow they got like this idea. Like, yeah, it's like somehow. Oh no, that's just about beer. It's like no, bring the mead, damn it! Come on, let's get let's get it actually, all. Actually, I was just thinking the other day that it's weird that like mead and beer gets grouped together all the time because they're such very very different. Two different yeah. time frames, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you would think that like mead, cider, and wine should all be together because they're all mm-hmm. effectively wines. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for whatever if for whatever reason, uh, mead and uh, mead and cider got assigned to the brewers. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Oh, well. <laughs> I want to get I, back to you guys is um because you said you kind of you know made brewing a little bit simpler for yourselves over time, which yeah makes sense. I mean you know you're not. 
after a while, if, if the technology is available, then why not get into it? I always get, cause we sell, we sell Brazilas here. We have very mm-hmm. huge fans of Brazilas at this particular homebrew shop. And sometimes people come in and like, Oh, the Brazilla, like you just push a button, right? And it's like, <laughs> no, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple buttons you push, but, <laughs> but you still need to, you still need to know like the brewing process in order to like get it through. So. You know, I used to still, you know, did the cooler and stuff like that. I've since I just do brew in a bag um, with a with a rims tube. Makes it super. It's basically a grandfather with propane type of setup. Yeah, yeah. And it's we, just because my electricity at my apartment is super sketchy. So <laughs> what? Here, here we, we both know. Yeah, we both used to use uh, Pico Brew Zymatics. Right. Mm, okay. Where, you know, that, that we're as close to a completely automated brewing system as you can get. Uh, oh, there's Drew's <laughs> over, over there. Collecting dust. In, in, yeah, in the unused equipment pile. Um, and, and people would always t- say that about the Zymatic, and it just, it was a sign of their, their ignorance and not realizing what it was all about because you still, you still make the recipe. You still crush the grain. You still have to figure out how to get the right proportions of everything. You still have to freaking ferment it afterwards. Yeah. The yeah. only thing that these systems do is eliminate the drudgery. Mm-hmm. And homebrewers, <laughs> homebrewers are a weird group of people. Because they're the only people I know who take pride in doing needless work. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, Very it's true. like the harder you work, the more of a homebrewer you are. And it's like, man, that is stupid. You know? It's not right. It's like yeah. you, want, you want to brew smart, you know? Yeah. You don't, you don't want to have to do all that lifting and carrying and dumping hot water on your legs and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> Been um, there, done that. Exactly. We all have. Um, so it's like, you know, things that eliminate the effort, you know, the, the, the stuff that you don't want to do anyway, that's not like cheating when you brew, that's being smart. Mm. I mean, go look at like any of your big craft breweries, right? You know, you go look at Sierra Nevada, you go, I mean, hell, you go look at like, uh, Integrin in, in Moore Park, right? Which isn't even that large of a brewery. Yeah. Automated to the hilt. Yes. You know, because uh, there's no there's no great value in yes I did grains out with a shovel and I broke my back thank you very much <laughs> you know <laughs> how how does that and, it, and it's a hobby you know for God's sake you know right. how do, how does doing more work enhance the enjoyment of your hobby uh, it, for me at least it doesn't it's just sweat equity man you taste the sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your beer tastes like sweat anyway, so Ooh. the beer has got to taste like sweat and blood it's for true. it to be real beer. So and remember, <laughs> future urine anyway. So, but I honestly look at like where you know. So Denny and I both started in, in the late nineties. Look at where homebrewings come right. along the way. Yeah, in terms of like things like the Brazil or the Grandfathers, mm-hmm. even brew in a bag. I mean, oh, if yeah. if brew in a bag had been around when I was starting. Odds were pretty good that that's how I would have started brewing, right? Because yeah, yeah, it just makes sense. And I lived in a freaking apartment. Like yeah. I was a weirdo. I had I had a bunch of pots hanging out on a, in my dining room. Uh, I could have just done it with one pot in a bag and been fine. Um, so genius. And I think I got this honestly from an episode you guys did. It might have been one of your own, or you inter- you were interviewing interviewed by someone. But 
you were saying like earlier in the in the days of home brewing, the only reference home brewers had was commercial brewing. So it made sense to have hot liquor, hot liquor tank, mash tun, boil kettle, that whole setup. But you know, in this day and age, yeah, it's if it's simpler, let's just all make brewing at you know better and happier for ourselves. You know, <laughs> yeah. well, why not? Yeah, well, to me, to me, one of the problems is, I mean, look. I'm super busy. I've got a ton of things that need to get done. You know, it's like I got to work on something on my house. I got to do something for work. I got to do something for not work, my side hustle. I got to brew. You know, I want to brew. The more, the more I can make brewing easy mm-hmm. and simple for me, the more likely I am to do it. Remember when I talked about the fact that I had that big system over there in the corner of the, the, the garage? I never wanted to brew, and I, and I almost really stopped being a brewer for a while. Because it was just so much freaking hassle to wheel the thing out and get it all set up and get everything fired up. And, like, it took me, like, an hour just to get to brewing. Right. So the, the fact that now we've gone through our processes and changed them up and made it so that we still produce high-quality beer, but it takes us much less time and it takes us much less effort, means that I can squeeze in a brew around, like, going doing the grocery shopping and making dinner. Right, though. All right. So... so. Considering your experience <laughs> and you're both, both you have very similar uh, ethos philosophies when it comes to homebrewing. And since homebrewing is about always learning, would love to hear, and I'm, I'll, I'll start with you, Denny, and then I'll ask you, Drew, what's like your newest, freshest ha- homebrew hack? Ooh. It doesn't matter how, even if, even if it's just like one little thing you're doing different and just tell us, give it to us. (laughs) Drew's like, let me look around real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Mine, I guess mine centers more on philosophy, right? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I've spent, I've spent, 24 years learning the science behind brewing and how everything works and what does what and how things interact. And my latest hack is taking the principles and throwing the details out the window. Because once you understand, I mean, I tell people that I learned the science and came out the other side. Uh, because once you learn the science, you know what matters. You know, for instance, the, the latest homebrew boogeyman is oxidation, right? Everybody is worried about oxidation. Mm-hmm. And in the 24 years I've been brewing, it's gone from one thing to another that the homebrewers get freaked out about. So these days it's oxidation. You see all these devices people make to drop dry hops into your fermenter without opening the fermenter and stuff like that. But I know from science that if I open that fermenter for three seconds and pour my dry hops in and close it right back up, it's fine. Fine. Right? I, I, the CO2 blanket overall is, is a myth, but it does exist to some extent. Right? Gases are going to mix over time, but they, they're not going to mix inside of my eight gallon stainless steel fermenter in the three seconds it takes me to drop in my hops. So, you know, I pull the top, I put it in the hops, I close it back up, 
everything's cool, you know? And so I, my, my hack is knowing the science well enough to know what I can ignore. I like By the that. way, thanks for reminding me. I got to dry hop an IPA after we're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then for me, uh, I mean, for me, I guess it's more two processes that I think one, one of which both day and I've been playing around with, which actually goes back to dry hopping, which is doing shorter, colder dry hops. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's gaining a lot of traction in the professional world as well. I keep talking to more and more brewers who are doing it that way. And so like literally like last night I had an IPA that was, had wonderful hop aroma to it, dry hopped for two days at 56 degrees. Right. Okay. And there's some of the stuff from Tom Shellhammer that's come out where talking about like dry hopping down almost near freezing. For yeah, I, d- I, d- I dry hop at, I dry hop at 35 for 48 yep. to 72 hours. Okay. Yeah, and that, fav- that favors the extraction of linalool, right? One of one of those essential oils. Um, so that's one thing. Because hey, guess what? I like the idea of being able to dry hop for less time because it means I get the beer into the keg faster, <laughs> right? Well, and not only that, but you you're, you're not extracting all those tannins that cause right. your beer to be astringent. You know, you're not reabsorbing um, IBUs. You're not doing a whole right. a whole thing of downstream. Yeah, yeah. Hold yeah, on, we- hold on, hold on. What are you? Okay, hold on. Just tell us your your dry hop rules then mm-hmm. temp? Pretty, uh, pretty simple it's uh one you got to pay attention to what the shell hammers put together as sort of a limit on what's the maximal effective dose which i think is what two and a half ounces per five gallon batch keep, keep it under eight grams per liter eight grams per liter which works out i think of about two and a half ounces per five gallons or something uh but then the other one is <laughs> stop abusing the cat man <laughs> She loves it. <laughs> the other one then is if you drop the temperature of the beer and then dry, uh, dry hop at, say, like as Danny does at 38, it favors the extraction of linalool as opposed to the other oils. Uh, and that's something that you can steer based on what sort of oil extraction you want. So th- this one I'm doing right now, because it's not going to be a linalool heavy beer, I'm going to do it more at like 55. But the other thing that they found is if you're only in there for two days, two days is all you need to actually pull all the hop oils out. After that, what starts to happen is the uh, the hop matter itself starts to actually reabsorb isomerized alpha acids. It makes your beer less mm-hmm. bitter. And then you also, uh, because of the uh, pH and all this other sort of fun stuff, you start to get that green leafy hop burn, that astringency yeah. over time. And so mm-hmm. it's not just a, a matter of efficiency in terms of like being able to turn your beer around a lot faster. It's also about being able to actually get a better experience, and it just turns out to be simpler. And you know, and I, I don't make Northeast IPAs or New England IPAs, whatever. I, I, I just don't like them. Uh, but even the people who make those beers have gone to this short, cold, dry hopping because it really, you know, the hop burn that you get from a New England IPA. Yeah. That that's from the tannins in the hops. And the huge hop load being in there for so long at lower temperatures. And a lot of people who are making that style. <laughs> Speaking of my kitty tail. Have started, have started uh, going to the short, cold, dry hopping too, because they get, you know, an equally good dry hop character <laughs> and they don't get the hopper. 
All right. Jenny, so, you, you've created the monster, man. Back, back to podcasting. As soon as you yeah. start podcasting, I mean, you podcasting. have a cat. Your yes. cat is going to be all over your microphone, oh, yeah. your laptop, uh, all the time. Uh, <laughs> if, if, you listen, if you listen closely to the to our podcast, one you'll usually hear uh, one of Danny's dogs, like Janie or Brittany, uh, barking in the background. And if you listen really, really careful, you can hear my old man, Sammy, the 17-year-old chihuahua, snoring. Because yeah. oh. he, he's on a bed behind me as I'm recording. If, if, you, if you listen real carefully, and why the hell anybody would want to do that, I don't know. But if you listen <laughs> real carefully to our podcasts, you can almost always hear animals in the background. And one Sorry, of the things that we, we do with the podcast is, you know, we, we uh, have a Patreon link that we ask people to do. And we contribute that money to a charitable cause. We pick two a year oh, that's awesome. and give all our Patreon money to, to those charitable causes. And the charitable causes are almost always animals or kids with cancer, you know. And Very the nice. Best, veterans. Yeah. And veterans, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, like, our charity right now is an organization that takes rescue dogs and trains them to be companions for veterans with PTSD and other issues, you know. And, you know, we just we just love doing that. We're not in this to make money, you know, we're in this because we love beer, we love talking about beer, and we love helping people, right? So, you know, as far as I know, we're one of the few podcasts out there who's constantly raising money for charity every episode. Nope. Yeah, and that was that was one of those other concepts that I think came into the show almost immediately too. Uh, was was having that because it was like, well, okay, let's do a Patreon, but you know, we don't really need the money because we were able to fund all the equipment and, and the hosting ourselves. So right, right. let's go do something good with it, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like we've done a lot of different animal charities, including uh, I think my favorite, the one that made me sad was I lost, uh, like I think in the first year of the podcast, I lost my favorite dog ever uh, suddenly, Aww. and you know she had a she had a heart attack and and we lost her. And so all the listeners donated a lot more money than, than I thought they were going to, to go to the shelter that I adopted her from. Yeah. And so that was, uh, you know, that's a nice thing. Well, yeah. Jenny, I know you, you and the, you know, in our back and forth and email, you, you brought up a really good topic that you wanted and we're, you know, we have a few minutes left, but I, I thought it was great. And um, basically like, you know, the purpose of any podcast, um, how to connect with the audience, communication. Like, I mean, we started our podcast um, just as a an alternative to the brewing homebrewing podcast that existed. You know, it's you know, yes, we're women, cool, we can give our perspective on things, but also just to kind of like you guys. You guys are casual with your your podcast. We wanted to provide like a casual light light conversation yeah. about home brewing brewing mm -hmm. talk to some cool people etc so that was like our our purpose behind starting it um do you guys want to go into like you know your your podcast well i mean you know it's like no matter what your topic is you know whether it's it's cars or beer or pets or whatever whatever your podcast is about the reason you're doing it is not just to hear yourself talk, or at least supposedly that's the reason. The idea is to to connect with people and get information out with the, out to them, right? And make them feel like they're sitting there with you. And you need to not talk above their heads, which is 
something that we are often guilty of, you know, using all the various brewing acronyms and stuff like that, um, you know, and referring to processes that we may know about that other people don't. So you have to be conscious of if you do that, then you have to stop right there and explain what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. you know, especially in homebrewing, there's going to be a good portion of the audience who catches all that stuff, but there are going to be people who've been brewing like for a week and aren't going to have any idea what you're talking about. So always, always visualize like the people that you're talking to and, you know, visualize the look of confusion on their face as you're saying something that they might not understand. Uh, the other thing is something He's much better that, than I am. Yeah. I, well, that, that, yeah, the, Drew, Drew is really great at throwing out acronyms and zipping along and I mean, like, you guys okay. have been in the game for a while. It's it, hard not to it's, sometimes, yeah. especially when you're in similar You're right. It, it, it's very hard, but you have to, like, get into a different headspace, right? And maybe because, yeah. I mean, you know, I spent 30 years in my studio recording voiceovers for films and TV and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I that kind of becomes the purpose of what you're doing. And the other thing is something that I always say to Drew, which is, go ahead, you know what it is. Slow down. You're trying to communicate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drew, Drew, has, Drew has often likened himself to a squirrel on meth. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. A chipmunk on double espresso. Well, okay. Or a squirrel on <laughs> meth. Either, either same way. Thing, same yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Yes. You know, tomato, tomato. So, and you know, and I, I'm, I can get going into a run and do that too. So you have to like. Be conscious. I mean, the, just not talking, but you have to mm -hmm. be conscious of how people are accepting and hearing and reacting to what you're saying. And there are times when I consciously slow myself down uh, where I've said something and I do think, okay, now wait a minute. I'm going to do a retake because there's a better way to say that that will explain what I'm getting at better, you know? So, while it's really fun to get together and talk about beer and, and do all this stuff, you have to always keep in mind what the purpose behind it is. Yep. But, yeah. And and also to that sort of notion about the audience, one of the big, uh, particularly early on when we started, now keep in mind how the podcasting landscape is and you know how much of the podcast market out there is a bunch of white dudes talking, right? Um one of the things I took great pride in that when we were early on in the in the process was we got a lot of messages from uh, various women who were listening to the podcast. One thanking us for keeping it clean, and two, we were talking a lot about um, you know sort of equality and and sort of anti harassment type stuff very early in the process. And so we got a lot of we got a lot of good feedback from listeners out there that there was a whole market out there of women who wanted to listen to a podcast, learn about beer and not feel like they're part of a sexist joke or being talked down to. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And so that, that kept us going too. And we, we have always made it a, uh, a, a principle to not like have any swearing or anything like that. If one of our guests does, then I just beep it out. Yeah. And, which by the way, is really hard for me because I swear like, a yeah, show. yeah, both of us. Both it's of us really tough like for us. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? We have gotten so many, emails from people who say, thank you so much for making it so I can listen to this podcast when I'm taking my kids to school. 
good point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. And it, it, to us, it just does not make sense to artificially limit your audience in any way. You know, it, it's hard enough to get them there in the first place. Uh, you know, and that, that, yeah, I was going to say that gets to a question we have here on tips mm-hmm. for growing your podcast. I don't have any. How do you guys, do you guys make a conscious effort to try and grow your podcast? I mean, we light candles and pray at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way we are. We put it out there and just hope that word of mouth and quality will be enough to to do that. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, I think the, the, the idea that your podcast has to be listened to by everyone. I I just like chatting with my friend, and there are things that we recognize about our podcast that make it not as popular or listened to as other podcasts. For example, we only release every other week and um, we do cuss and we do drink um, and we do take breaks. So, I mean, (laughs) that right there, I think. (laughs) By the way, one of the things that you mentioned there, uh, the release Mm -hmm. schedule, that's actually pretty big. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's actually something that we've had to get back onto. When we first started the podcast, we were we were a freaking machine. Like the first year was just the one show, and it was every other week. Pink, 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 pink. Uh, and then we introduced the brew files, and didn't force me to start editing. Also forced me to hate the sound of my own voice mm. over recording, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think anybody likes the sound of their voice over recording. And we we were then doing every week when COVID hit, it all kind of went squirrel butt. And then now we're getting back into trying to do every week, every week, every week, mm-hmm. just because one of the biggest ways that you build audience is to put it out there on socials that, hey, you know, there's a new episode, and to be consistent about it, right? And so it's, yeah. it's just how, how it works. And also getting over the fact that you hate the sound of your own voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we started, we were putting out an episode every week, and it became extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, me and Lori have, like, crazy schedules yeah. as is. And so we're like, all right, next season, because we go by seasons, we'll do every other week. And it's worked out great. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of, it's just a lot less stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, so it keeps it fun for us. At least. We're down to our last 30 seconds here. Mm, and we okay. have to give away two books. Uh-oh. And I, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this. Melissa, Wait. how are we going to do this? I, I, got, <laughs> I got an idea. Yeah. I got an idea. How about the, you know the first two people to correctly name one of our one of our pets in the chat? Because okay. we put it in the chat. <laughs> okay, Ooh. first first two people to name one of our pets because we put all of our pets' names in the chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, there's oh, Rocky. One. Okay, okay. Janae. Rocky's out of the pool. No longer any Jack, Rocky. Okay, give me another pet name. I wonder if Drew people know my name. cat's name. Oh, oh, Everybody's got Rocky. Okay. Well, ooh. Britain, Britain will do. Britain, Rocky we'll and Britain, that'll accept. do. Okay. So Janae and, <laughs> and, and, and Renee. Okay. You two, would you please write to podcast at experimentalbrew.com and give us your names and addresses and we'll get books sent out to you. That would be Janae awesome. and Renee. All right. Podcast, podcast. at experimentalbrew.com. Right. And our, our guy, Brian, if you could put our um, Instagram links in there, that would be great, too. Thanks. Uh, you guys, in case we get shut off and I have a chance to say thank you so much for asking us to do this. This was so much fun. It was really fun. Yes. I, we had a great time. Yeah, it was I very had a great time. Fun, Thanks to chill. Michelle for suggesting it. Yeah. 
I, I, I think we'll have to uh, return the favor by having you guys on Experimental Brewing to just shoot Oh, it would be an someday. honor. It would be super fun. We're happy and then, to. And then I'm just going to have to go shoot up the 210 one day and across the 118. And yeah. Come over there. Yeah. Whatever he says. <laughs> we love it. Yeah, we love Enegrin, by the way. We heard you just drop that a second ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a can of Enegrin's uh, uh, Doppelbach that I need to send to Denny because mm. that beer is... It's so good. It's very good. <sighs> Yeah, yeah the, the last beer, the last beer he was gonna send me had sat on his desk for a year and before I said forget <laughs> it I don't want it anymore. Oh, but, but did he send it though? <laughs> no, but uh, no, if, no, he if, never did. <laughs> if, if you all are anybody who's in the LA area, definitely make sure that you uh, take a side trip over at Anagrin. Uh, and the other one that we were talking about uh, behind the scenes, uh, uh, Shadow Grove, uh, yes. which is a re- relatively new brewery, but mm, the. Yeah, and, and but that that ordinary bitter is that so is so good. I went and I had a I had a pint and then I went back for another one and they're like, yeah, we just kicked it and I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> but at least I had some before I kicked. So, well, thanks everyone for joining us and Drew and Denny, you guys are total legends. Thanks for coming on and for being so cool. Uh, Drew, we'll see you next weekend. Yes. Um, act normal, please. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm so afraid of getting too. I'm afraid of getting way too drunk that weekend. And Denny will catch you in Brazil. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Here's here's my advice for SCHF. Uh, one, I always do the uh, the morning volunteer shift, so I get two hours into the festival without having anything first. Yes. And, and then. I always make sure that every two samples that I have, I go and I have some water. Okay, yeah. me too. I'm going to do that. Yeah, because trying to do it every one just is an invita- invitation to go. Pee. I lose track when you're just when it's just samples. It's just yep. <laughs> yeah, right. Suddenly it's thirty samples. And yeah, you're like, Whoa. just a couple of glasses. All right, it's guys. Just a sip. It's just yeah. a sip. Come on. Just a sip. All right, guys. Well, I got to go. I have a a thing I got to go to after this. But like we said, it was so great to talk to you guys. And, yeah, we'll talk again very, very soon, I'm sure. I hope so. Thanks, everybody. Stick around. We're going to be right back. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. The ultimate all-in-one electric home brewing system is here. The new Grainfather G40 can produce up to 11 gallons of beer and features all the latest advancements in home brewing technology, including wireless control so you can monitor your brew day from the Grainfather app. With an innovative new grain basket design that improves workflow, reaching match efficiencies of 75% or more is easy. The 3300-watt heating element brings your wort to a boil quickly without any scorching, and the large hop plate filter guarantees that no unwanted grain matter or hop tube reaches your fermenter. 
Every G40 comes standard with a high-powered built-in pump that can handle temperatures over 200 degrees Fahrenheit and a full three-year warranty that guarantees that you will be able to keep on brewing no matter what. The new Grandfather G40 is available now at your favorite homebrew retailer or online at grandfather.com. Mechagrade Estate Malt is a craft malt house owned and operated by the Klon family on their beautiful Central Oregon high desert farm. Their 8th generation Oregon farming family grows and malts all of their own specialty grain, creating malts that are rare, remarkable, and bursting with flavor. Malt is the foundation of your beer, so why settle? The best beers deserve Mechagrade. For more information, please visit mechagrade.com. When I'm done brewing, I want to be done brewing, not waiting around for my work to cool. With the Hydra, the Corny Pillar, and the other great chillers from Jaded, I can be done when I'm done. No more waiting 20 minutes for the wort to cool enough to add whirlpool hops. No more messing with cleaning and sanitizing counterflow or plate chillers. With the super fast immersion chillers from Jaded, you can chill your wort in minutes without all the hassle. Jaded chillers aren't just works of art, they're the fastest, most effective chillers you can buy. Check them out at jadedbrewing.com. I guess that's about enough of that silliness for today, huh? Yes. And by the way, don't forget, you can always go and catch more of Tyler and Lori's uh, antics and discussions by going and looking up the Brewed Up podcast on, well, wherever you find this particular podcast. Yeah, they're uh, they're on a lot of different places, and they are a lot of fun, and uh, they know uh, a lot about brewing. So go listen to Brewed Up with Tyler and Lori. But in the meantime... Thank you for listening to Experimental Brewing. You can catch all of our latest adventures and writings by going to our website, which is experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, where we're at EXP Brewing. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, Drew hangs out on the Reddit Homebrewing channel and the Slack Homebrewing channel. Uh, you can find me hanging around the AHA discussion forum on Facebook, uh, over in the uh, brew house at the beer garden. Uh, I, I get around. If you want to ask us a question, suggest topics, recipes, experiments, or rant and rave, you can email us at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. Or if you want to get a hold of each one of us individually, I'm Denny at experimentalbrew.com, and he's Drew at experimentalbrew.com. And if you want to talk to us or leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 626-765-1-ALE. That's 626-765-1253. And if you don't want to talk to us, you can call the same number. Or you could text it. <laughs> That's right. So until next time, remember to always brew experimentally. Or brew wacky. And we'll see you on the next episode of Experimental Brewing. Experimental Brewing.